Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. We're here live from the Man Cave once again. And of course, you know, we're back from St. Petersburg. It was a lot of fun. A lot of sweat was was had with that, a lot of sunburn. But hey, it was a lot of fun. And uh, now we're back to uh, full-time interview episodes. So today, uh, as you can see in the title screen, it is the James Hinchcliffe edition, uh, a new chapter, episode 43. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, you know, we had James on the show so many times before. This is now the fourth time. So to have the mayor of Hinchtown on once again, it's always great to see him. So if you're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? Well, we discussed his first initial week being a full-time employee for NBC Sports. We talk about uh, his friend Robert Wickens, obviously seeing Robbie uh, being able to, you know, hop back into a race car and get a podium uh, in IMSA a couple weeks ago at Daytona. Uh, great to see that. And you know, we talk about a lot of other topics, and uh, of course, we have to ask, what does he want to defy the most in 2022? Since defy everything is still, <laughs> unfortunately, the uh, the what is it the the motto for IndyCar the past two seasons or program whatever it's called defy everything so you guys need to defy everything think of something right in the comments below what do you want to defy the most this year whether that's racing related or personal i don't know i don't know what i want to defy the most but let's get into the episode so sit back relax grab your favorite snack it could be oh my i'm trying to think let's look around we could even yeah let's see oh we could have some uh oh here we go i love i've been loving to eat these here recently you can have, you know, sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack, and have uh, some Ritz crackers with a little bit, a little pepperoni on top and a little cheese on top. You don't have to melt it. Like, it's just simple, easy to eat. Love to have those. It's a great little, like, midnight snack-ish, since I like to uh, stay up late, watch races, whatever else. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, enjoy this episode with James Hinchcliffe. <laughs> hey, James, can Hello. you hear me? <laughs> I can. You got me? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so how have you Wonderful. been? Uh, I know the heat was pretty brutal in, uh, in St. Pete. Have you been able to recover from that? Not in the, uh, not in the air conditioned tele television booth, my friends. It was, uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> that, that's true. I know you were doing a lot of walking. I remember seeing you when you were going to like to do some turn reporting or something. Do you, I'm, I'm assuming you pre- prefer the booth than, you know, being in the turns and, you know, being close to the action or does it kind of depend? It kind of depends. I mean, obviously it's, uh, it's, it's great to be a part of it either way. And there are pros and cons to, uh, to both positions. I definitely got to say, you know, after, you know, my stints in, in 2020, mainly working in pit lane, I give a ton of credit to, to those guys, to, you know, to, to Kevin and, and Dave and Marty and everybody that Kelly, everybody that, uh, contributes because it's not easy. It's a tough job. I think we have it a little bit, uh, a little bit cushier up in the booth with the air conditioning and the shade, like I said. But no, I, I love, I love uh, either one. And uh, obviously, it was your first time, you know. And now it's your full time job. What were the nerves like going into that, knowing it's not just, you know, a kind of side type of thing? It's not your full time job. I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely different. You know, you, there's a little more on the line, I guess, so to speak, and you feel a little more responsibility to make sure that the show goes off well, and and you know, you do the job that you're supposed to do. But in comparison to the nerves that I, I would normally be getting that time of day <laughs> at that particular place, it was uh, no problem. <laughs> and you know, obviously, this is the fourth time you've been on the show. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know. We haven't been able to talk about this yet. Uh, kind of what went into deciding that you were going to make the switch from being in the cockpit to the, you know, into the booth. 
Yeah, I mean, it was honestly a combination of a lot of things, uh, both kind of on the personal side and, and on the professional side that that contributed to it. And, and ultimately, it was one of those situations where the timing was just right. You know, it it, it would have been really easy to sort of look at it and, and try to dream up some scenario where we could maybe do this or maybe do that or try to make this work and, and whatever, whatever. Uh, and that would have been a purely emotional and a very irrational decision to make. So uh, fortunately, you know, I was able to kind of remove myself from it a little bit and, and look at the 30,000 foot view and the broadcasting side of it has always been, uh, always been something I've, I've had in my eye on and was always sort of the next been with NBC getting a new IndyCar for the next three seasons. Uh, and like I said, some of the, some of the factors, you know, just in, in my side of things, but the timing was right. And uh, it was, it was always going to be interesting going to St. Pete and seeing how that felt. And I felt great in the role that I was in, you know, obviously I miss driving Indy cars. They are incredible machines and the racing is, you know, the best in the world. Um, but I, I did the right thing. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the spot I should be in. And you know, obviously you were in St. Pete. What was the atmosphere like? Because I know that was, you know, walking around, that's probably one of the bigger venues that I've been at just in terms of fan interaction. What was your point of view from that? I mean, the, the fan turnout was incredible. I mean, I noticed it on Friday uh, for, a, for a typical Friday at St. Pete. That was a tremendous amount of people. And then Saturday and Sunday again, you know, they, they really just came out in, in droves. And, you know, we've obviously raced at St. Pete uh, throughout the, throughout the last couple of seasons. Uh, but it was never full capacity and, you know, we had to do one of them at the end of the season and whatever, whatever. So it's not been exactly kind of old fashioned St. Pete. And so maybe that's a part of it, but I mean, man, it was, it was awesome to see. I mean, Florida's kind of been open for a while, so I don't think it was a ton of just people wanting to get out. I think genuinely the the series is growing and, and that race is one of our best races. It's one of our best markets the city really gets behind it and the promoters do a great job so it was just great to see so many fans turn out honestly it almost felt like that's probably the closest that i've ever felt for like close to like the indy 500 in terms of this you're trying to get through the sea of people but then it's also like i'm not gonna be able to get anywhere on time (laughs) it was yeah no, for sure. And you know, I think then in, in Long Beach, uh, that's another one that I think that the street circuit layout definitely makes it more challenging to move people around and sort of, you know, it's sort of tunneled or it sort of corrals you into certain, um, you know, thoroughfares of, of foot traffic. But no, those those are two great events and a lot of people come out to them. It's great to see it. And kind of looking back on the first weekend as a broadcaster, what do you feel are some things that you know, looking back on, you want to be able to improve, you know, going forward with the season. I mean, I think anytime, I mean, just as a driver, you know, in this new role, I'm going to use that same high level of, of criticism, self-criticism. Uh, you're always looking to improve and do things better, you know, and um, I'm going to watch back the race. I know there's a couple little things that I just remember off the top of my head in terms of timing of certain things and, pacing what you say and keeping it concise, but, you know, informative. And um, there's always little ways you can improve. And uh, the team there is great. You know, working with, with Townsend and Lee is, you know, I'm so lucky to get to do that because they really are two professionals and, and the whole crew there made it really easy for the new guy to jump in and, uh, and almost, almost sound like he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> 
that's an understatement. Who we, you know, what are we talking about? You know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, you know, switching to the race itself. Uh, what were your thoughts on how the race played out with uh, McLaughlin notching his first win? Phenomenal. I mean, his uh, his qualifying performance was uh, was unreal. To to beat Will Power in qualifying there, period, is is one of the hardest things to do, statistically speaking. And uh, and the fact that he did it in the same car, and, I mean that that really highlights how good that that lap was, uh, and, and by a comfortable margin by IndyCar standards. So uh, so that was that was quite awesome to see, and it was interesting to you know keep that up throughout the course of the uh, the race because obviously you know Scott had some some good events last year, but we never saw like a, a ton of running at the front to sort of know how he would handle that. Not that he's new to running at the front, you know, as a three-time VA champion. Um, so, you know, then for me on Sunday, just controlling the race with the way he did, it was, it was like he was, he was driving his, uh, you know, his Mustang again in supercars. He was just completely composed. Uh, his pace on reds at the beginning was the best in the field. And then for me, the, the two sort of key moments were that outlap from that last stop, you know, Pelot had the overcut on him. And in theory, for the distance behind that he was, he should have passed him. So between the, the pit work from the three crew and, and Scott's outlap, that's what won them that race. It really did. It was incredible to, uh, to see him stay out in front of the 10 there. And then at the end, you know, catching traffic, but it's a handful of laps to go with the reigning champion on your gearbox is the last thing that you want to see. But again, that's that's where you know I think his his experience in top level motorsports really really shone and really showed through. Didn't get flustered, didn't get bothered, you know, just kept his head down and, and got the job done. So couldn't be happy for him. He's such a cool dude, such a nice guy, and uh, it was great to see him notch up that first win. Honestly, look looking back at it, I know you ran uh, Bathurst a couple of years ago in those supercars, and I know we've talked about it before, but. To be able to come over from having so much just you know competition level in type you know in those type of cars to go to an open wheel car, it, like what the difficulty level to not only be able to you know adapt to an Indy car but also be able to compete and win at the highest level I mean, that has to be pretty impressive. <laughs> no doubt. I mean the the transition from a uh, a supercar to an Indy car is a tremendous one. I as you said, I know because I went the other way. And, uh, and, but yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the level of dominance that he had over there and came over here and in year one, there were, you know, I'll obviously a lot of struggles getting used to the car, the style of racing, all the tracks are new. Uh, and so, you know, he's really, he's really made a statement, you know, by showing up to St. Pete, obviously a track that now he's, he's finally, he's the one track he's been to more than once this is his third time there, but you know, kind of showing everybody that after a, a race weekend of experience and track time at some of these places that were new to him last year, he could be a very, you know, very serious contender and a very serious threat week in and week out. Whoa, now, before we continue on with this legendary episode 43, a new chapter with James Hinchcliffe, we have to talk about Racer Collect. Now, James, he he has a lot of his stuff that comes through and goes through Racer Collect, whether it's fire suits, race used uh, boots, uh, gloves, anything that you, know, you could possibly think of, he sells through Racer Collect. Now, Racer Collect, you're able to get race used memorabilia, you're able to get original art, another one of our uh, favorites. One of our friends of the show, Alex Wakefield, he sells his art through Racer Collect. And, uh, you know, Racer Collect is such a great, you know, from Indiana. And, you know, they sell a lot of great stuff. So make sure to check them out. Uh, you know, I'll link them in the description as well. So make sure to go check out Racer Collect 
And uh, let's get back to this episode with James Hinchcliffe. We're moving on to, uh, you know, like growing to uh, Texas Motor Speedway here in about two weeks, something like that. Uh, how do you think the racing is going to be knowing that that PJ1 is still kind of there? And I heard it was still a one lane track and testing the other week or something. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that maybe the NASCAR guys used a different kind of of, of traction compound. Um, there's, I know the name. Jimmy was telling us about it a little bit. The hope is that it's going to be better. In testing, it's always kind of a one-lane place just because you don't have that many cars and there's not a lot of rubber on the track. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm cautiously pessimistic to steal an Alex. Sander Rossi line, if I'm being totally honest, uh, since the repave in, in 17, it's just not been the same. And uh, then since they started using the traction compound, it really has made racing there very tough. We did see a good race there last year. Um, you know, Joseph and Pato going at it. That was a that was a pretty entertaining race. And Pato did a great job to, to get ahead of Joseph there at the end. But uh, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. It's right in the middle of the day, you know, noonish start time. It's going to be hotter than Hades. And, uh, that does not usually promote great racing. IndyCar has tried to help with uh, a little bit more downforce than what we ran last year, which I think is a huge help and a step in the right direction. I just, I hope it's enough of a step. And, you know, with, you mentioned Jimmy Johnson, I know the the big firm belief is he'll do a whole lot better on the ovals. I mean, what are some of the hurdles that he'll have to go through, even though he has run the, you know, on the cup side of things so many times at that track, you know, trying to adapt to an IndyCar throughout the weekend it's going to be a challenge for sure. You know, the last time we saw a cup guy jump into a, an Indy car, you know, it was Kurt at Speedway and, and you have the benefit of, you know, 25 hours of practice or whatever it is. Uh, I think we have an hour before qualifying at Texas is usually the program. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge, huge ask, you know, because he does have such preconceived notions of that track and he has very, very little oval experience in an open wheel car. Um, he's done a test day there, so he he knows his way around, so to speak. But when you look at all the drivers that have gone the other way, you know, getting used to the feel of a cup car out of an Indy car and how much it moves and how much you can feel the tire and all these things, uh, it's the exact opposite, obviously. So, you know, Jimmy, in a sense, is almost going to have to uh, have to tune his senses a little bit because he's used to these big movements. And these big inputs from the car, whereas in the Indy car, especially on the oval, it's the finest little movements that you've got to be able to sense and react to. Um, and, you know, that's why some of the Indy car guys, they struggle so much because it's like sensory overload in the cup car because it was so much You're like that's crashing in an Indy car. Just turning in is crashing every time, you know. So uh, I think reclocking and recalibrating your mind a little bit is going to be the biggest challenge there for him. And kind of looking... Uh, obviously, it was announced that the hybrids, they're going to be pushed back a little bit, um, to, I believe 2024 or something like that. Uh, like, I know I've heard a lot of drivers kind of chime in on it. What are your thoughts on like them pushing it back and what you would, if, you know, being a driver yourself, what would you like to see like the process look like? I mean, I'd like to see the new engine come with a new car. I think, uh, you know, now that we have a, a sort of gimme year that we weren't anticipating, the timing is great to try to do that all in one go. I know that there's some expense hesitation from, you know, the team owner side, but I think there was even an article in, in racer the other day with uh, quotes from quite a few team, either managed 
managers or owners saying, yeah, it'll suck, but it's got to happen at some point. We might as well just bite the bullet and do it now. Um, this car has served us well, but it's definitely antiquated. And, and we've had to make so many adjustments to it. Just building you know, a, a new bespoke car with, with everything that we've learned over the, the lifetime of the DW12, I think would be great. Timing with the new engine is great. You know, it's, I understand why they had to do it. it. It's the right call given the circumstances. As a driver, you, just, you want a new toy, right? Like you, you want the new engine, you want more power, you want something else to develop and learn from. Um, but yeah, I mean, ideally, how, how do I want to see it play out? I would love them to just say, you know what? Let's, let's turn this into a good thing. This is, you know, obviously not a great thing that's happened having to delay it, but we can kind of spin this in our favor if we kind of commit to a new car. How would you kind of, I know there's been a lot of just questions, well, how's the arrow screen going to fit on it? Or, you know, that whole kind of Twitter war per se that uh, Will Buxton had kind of started. Yeah. What were your thoughts on, I guess, kind of how the arrow screen should fit on the car? Should it be a halo? You know, that kind of thing. You know, I think that we've proven the benefits of having the screen, to be totally honest. Um it does come at a cost, especially when it was an afterthought to the chassis design. And so I think if we have a new car, we can address those things from, you know, the initial design phase and it'll eliminate a lot of the negatives. So from a, from a new car perspective, I think it'd be silly to go any other route than, than an aero screen. I see, I see where guys come from with the current generation car, you know, not running it maybe at street courses only or something like that and just having the halo. Uh, I see where they come from. Not, necess- not necessarily saying I agree, but I, I can see the argument. But if you're starting from scratch, I, I don't see the argument. It's 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 undoubtedly a, a safer design than just a halo. And as a guy that's been hit in the head by a piece of debris that was small enough to get past the halo, uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I am a pretty. I think I'm an appropriate guy to comment on that part. So yeah, I mean that's that's I think ultimately it is. Um, if, if we get the opportunity for, for a new chassis, then yeah, it's a no brainer. I'm kind of moving on uh, last month, yeah, February, uh, your friend, Robert Wickens earned a podium uh, in the uh, IMSA Michelin pilot challenge. I know you're in the pits during that. What was the emotion just from you knowing that how much, you know, he's had to go through to get back to this moment. You know, we, I was actually, you know, I, I was on the grid for this, for, you know, when he was getting in the car, but then I, I had to work, you know, they, they threw me on the broadcast. So, you know, we were showing an in-car camera of, of Robbie on the, on the pace lap. And uh, I, I mean, I, I had to hold back tears quite literally because it's uh, it was just it's such a cool moment to experience after, you know, kind of being there with him through a lot of, a lot of what he's had to go through over the last few years to get to that point. And uh to see him pull off the to see him just racing the way that he always did, man, it was just awesome. And to come away with the podium, I mean, they were so close to getting that second place at one point, and uh, his teammate Mark did a great job on that last stint to, to keep them on the podium uh, under some pretty heavy pressure there. So yeah, it was it was such a fun race. On top of you know the result, obviously just being just being phenomenal for Rob and, and for the whole Reinhard Autosports team and. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I hate that we've had to wait, you know, all this time to, to see him do it again and that we, we've got to be in Texas and, you know, I don't get to be in Sebring to watch the second one. And I know, uh, there's been kind of random talks of, well, could he join a race for the SRX? You know, how cool would that be to, you know, see him run in an SRX car knowing that you were, you know, a part of like the broadcast, you know, last year. 
would be great, man. I mean, he's he's perfect for that series, and uh, that's that series obviously is uh, it's, it was a lot of fun to be a part of, and uh, I think it'd be an awesome opportunity for him to uh, to get to be in it, you know. And it's honestly, I think from a like a mechanical standpoint, less of a challenge than you know what he's what he's doing in the the Michelin Pilot car. So hopefully, there's a, a solution that the the gang there can whip together for him and uh, and he gets a chance to go you know go turn some laps on one of those things and final two questions uh you know is there an opportunity for you kind of going forward to maybe drive some type of car or is it kind of like focusing mainly on broadcasting for the near future no i mean it's i i think i think 2022 might be you know a little bit of a gap year from the from the driving standpoint uh, just the way some things, uh, transpired, uh, you know, there was, there was one program that we were pretty close to, to getting done that just didn't happen for one reason or another, but, uh, the plan is to do a couple, you know, fun things this year, maybe a few one-offs and something that I wouldn't otherwise have had the opportunity to do. Uh, but the, the plan is very much to still be on, on a grid full time in 23 somewhere. Awesome. But yeah, final question. Uh, you know, I spoke with Jade Gerst. I know you've worked with him before. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, and he mentioned how you're one of his favorite people of all time. Um, just want to mention that. And <laughs> he also gave me a question to ask you. Ah, okay. So what is your most valuable lesson inside the race car that you're going to be able to share with us, the fans on TV? Oh, wow. Um, I, I think uh, I think that I don't know, I don't know if it's one kind of specific lesson necessarily, but it, it's more just being able to sort of understand the mindset of of a driver in, in a specific scenario. You know, there are going to be things that pop up that from the outside might look like X, but through my experience and lessons learned in the car, I know the driver's probably feeling Y. And, uh, and I think that distinction is going to be, you know, one of the, the important things that I can, I can bring to this broadcast, hopefully. And, you know, one of my favorite things has always been educating people about IndyCar racing. You know, I love meeting people at the track for the first time or people that have never been to an IndyCar race because there's so much for them to learn. And every time we have that conversation, you know, the sport leaves with another lifelong fan. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully some of those, some of those driving lessons and, and experiences translate and, uh, and can be shared with the, the viewers at home. And I also did think of one more question. So I know I asked you this the last time, uh, when our Rossi, he had, uh, asked it to you, like, what do you want to defy the most in 2021? So how about this season? What do you want to defy the most in 2022? Oh man. Um, <laughs> Uh, to 2022, we want to, uh, uh, we want to do, I don't know. That's that, that comes out wrong. Uh, we want to defy records. We want to set records. We want record attendance at races. We want record viewership on broadcasts. We want record number of race winners. We want record number of first time winners we want just uh, a thrilling season and so records is what we want to defy in 2022 i like that you couldn't have done that any better <laughs> james i appreciate all your time uh you know fourth time on the show always great seeing you and uh hopefully you'll be back on here soon <laughs> absolutely man always a pleasure thanks for having me
Well, that wraps up today's episode of episode 43, A New Chapter with James Hinchcliffe. I appreciate you guys tuning in. It's always a joy having James Hinchcliffe on the show four times. and That's pretty wild. I think he was one of the first original guys to be on the show, to agree to be on the show back when this show was a little baby. Now we're big baby. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so James, you know, he's always gracious, always love talking to James and you know, hopefully he continues to do well in the booth. Uh, obviously, you guys have seen it. He's just a natural. And maybe we'll see him in a race car next year in some capacity. But, you know, it's always a joy talking to him. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at Behind Catch. But I appreciate you guys for uh, listening, and I'll catch you guys later.